What's up, guys? Popecast Podcast. My name's Ian, and my mom has vanished in Mexico. This is uh, a true story. It's a developing story. The family doesn't know where she's at. We have a theory. We have a theory as to what's going on. My sister and I are talking it over, and um, it's an interesting theory. I'll tell you this. My sister asked, said, okay, mom, if you're going to go to Mexico... Uh, at least drop us your location, you know, drop us a location, let us know where you're at. She was being very coy about the whole thing. And she, when my sister asked for her to drop her location, she said that she was walking into a room or a hallway with thick walls and that she couldn't drop her location. She had to go. So she was just being weird and evasive about the whole thing. When I was talking to her about it initially, she wasn't dropping many details. I could tell that she didn't really want to get into it too much, so I didn't pry a lot. Um, she said that she was meeting some friends down in Mexico for a retreat type of a thing and that she was just going to be gone for like two weeks. And so I was like, okay, um, we'll have fun and uh, yada, yada. So I don't know what's going on. Um, yesterday she texted me and she said, send me some pictures of you and the kids. I'm about to go off the grid and lose phone signal for the next week. So I thought I could download the pictures so I could see you guys. And so I sent over some pictures and was like, have fun, have fun. Love you. Talk to you later. That was it. We don't really know anything beyond that. My theory is that my mom has gone to Mexico to do ayahuasca. She is on a life journey, I think. And I hope that's it, honestly. That is the best case scenario. That's the one that I'm supportive of the most. Not like it matters, I guess. Um, what I'm supportive of, but I think that this is what she's doing. I think that she has gone to Mexico to do ayahuasca. My mother has gone to Mexico to do ayahuasca. That's what I think. I don't know. This is the same lady who, when we had a dog back in the day, um, as a boy, when I was living in the house, we had a dog and she wanted to communicate with the dog. So she enlisted the help of a psychic, a dog psychic. My mom hired a dog psychic and it wasn't just any dog psychic. It was like a dog phone psychic. She had the dog laying below the dining room table. And my mother got on the phone with a lady who claimed that she could communicate with dogs through a telephone. And we gave my mom a hard time about this. We, you know, fun teasing about this, that it seems pretty crazy, right? That a psychic could communicate with a dog, much less do so through a telephone. I would think that if you got to communicate with the dog, you got to get in person in front of the dog. You know, you got to sit down, you got to look the dog in the eyes. I mean, I think we've all had a little bit of psychic communication with dogs through this standard conventional route. If I'm being honest, you know, this is, that's the magic of dogs. So we think we can communicate with them and they uh, are probably just waiting to get let out and waiting to get food, you know, but we think that we have this magical connection with them and I hope we do, you know, I hope it's real. But this lady got my mother's money in order to communicate with the dog um, via telephone. So this is kind of the background, the origins of it. She's always kind of had this, you know, mystical vibe about her. Kind of a mysterious vibe, I'll say that. So I hope that she's on a life journey and I hope that she comes back finding what she's looking for. I hope that the, my mother's ayahuasca journey to Mexico is everything that she was after. So this same uh, same lady didn't get her hair cut until 
I was like 12 was the first her first haircut of my life when when I was no less than 12 maybe even more than that I mean for sure 12 maybe it was like 14 or 16 honestly her hair was so long and I don't know how this ties into the story but it just shows that she kind of will march to the beat of her own drum and I think that she is a searcher when it comes down to it so I think that she is out there uh, following the footsteps of Aaron Rodgers and going to Mexico on an ayahuasca journey. I think, I mean, I would love to do that at some point. Uh, the, I've got three kids right now, three young kids, so it's not exactly the right timing for me to, you know, look to, uh, look to alter my mind too much. I feel like I'm in a really good place right now, um, sans ayahuasca. But I could see, so, you know, when I'm 50s, um, I'll for sure be headed down that path. My mushrooms experience was magical. My brother shamaned me through my first mushroom experience, and it was life-changing for sure. It's the, it hasn't happened. It was 10 years ago. It hasn't happened for 10 years, but I still feel the effects with me today. And um, what he said in order to have the perfect mushrooms experience, he explained it like this. He said, it'll be a bright, sunny day. It will be... A day that you're feeling great about things. I just got a new job somewhat recently. The pay was better than anything I'd experienced before. So he said, we'll do it on payday. We'll do it on a payday Friday. You're feeling really good. We're going to go outside and we're going to walk by the river. And we're just going to walk along the river. It was this big, beautiful forest, thick foliage, nice walking path that was winding along by the river. And he said, whenever you get a negative thought, that comes into your mind, acknowledge it for a quick second, and then just let it flow away with the waters of the river. And this was the absolute key that I needed in order to have a good experience on mushrooms. It worked magically. I, you know, bad thoughts pop up, and then I just would let them go. And the big takeaway from my mushrooms experience. And it's so different from some others that I've heard. I mean, similar in a lot of ways, but I think your environment is so impactful because to me, the biggest takeaway was that these trees are alive. This ground I'm walking on is alive. And I am just this little piece of the puzzle just moving through this giant, beautiful, life-giving organism. And if that isn't some, you know, hippy-dippy stuff, but even after I left that mindset and that immediate moment, that's still a reality that I carry with me today. And I never will forget, or I certainly hope to never forget how real that that feeling was for me. So if someday that starts to fade and I'm in need of another type of a reset, a reboot of that experience, I'll for sure go back to that well. But it's like the thing that I don't think that I could top in the short term. So that is what reduces my temptation to do it again. That, and I was saying about having three young kids right now, it's the key for me right now is consistency. And so I am going to continue on in this great headspace that I found until I need that reset. And, um, you know, part of me is looking forward to it for sure. I'm really, really am looking forward to it for sure. But when the time is right, you know, so 
I don't know. I'm an environmentalist. I don't know about some of you guys. Um, but when it comes to the environment, I'm pretty mental. Okay. Um, I'm being, I'm doing real things to help the environment. Real, real, real life things. Like for example, I only go to see the eye doctor once every five years. You know, this is what I'm doing. I go once every five years. I get a one year supply of contacts and I make that one year supply of contacts last five years. I'm keeping, you know, over the course of my lifetime, over a million contact lenses out of landfills, right? You know, am I a hero? That's up to you. My eye doctor says, no, I'm not a hero, and I've got poor judgment to treat my eyes in such a callous fashion. So we're working through that together, but luckily we only have to work through it once every five years together. So I don't know. Some people just flush their contacts down the toilet which is even worse than throwing them in the landfill. You know, there's one-eyed sewer creatures out there used to be short-sighted and now they've found the perfect prescription and they're seeing and they're growing and they're evolving and they're probably going to come and take over the upper world here. And it's all because of some littering, you know, but that's not me. I make a one-year supply of contacts last five years because I care about the environment, you know. This This eye doctor, eye doctor is a joke. You know, it's more like an I don't do anything doctor, if you ask me. He sits me down for the eye test and makes me answer all the questions, right? Was it one or two or two or three? Like he forgets that I'm the one with the poor judgment who's now being made to take a judgment test to decide what prescription I need. It's crazy. It's crazy that he would do that. You know, he forgets that I'm the one that's there specifically because I've got awful eyes. And now he asked me to read the smallest line possible, like he doesn't already know that I can't read it. You know? Rude. He wonders why I only want to come see him once every five years. You know? But just like any test, when I sit down to take this eye test, just like every test I've taken my entire life, if I don't know the answer to a test... If I'm on a test and I'm scrambling, I'm unprepared, I'm unstudied for the test, I'm going to do the same thing that I always do on every other test I've ever taken in my life. I'm going to start making stuff up. All right? If there's no other paper to look off of, I'm going to start making stuff up. I'm going to start scrambling. Okay? And if that doesn't work, I'm going to start to try to distract everybody from the test. I'm going to try some diversion tactics. So at the eye doctor, I'll say, you know, something. When I, when I get uncomfortable, like I'm failing this eye test, like... Somehow that matters, but I get self-conscious. I'm like, ah, I'm really, I'm really bumbling this test right here. I so I, uh, I say like, I doctor, um, don't you think it's weird that they don't call eyelids eyeball sacks? Should really call them. Wouldn't that be better? Eyeball sacks. We like. And he just looks at me like I'm a big blind idiot with poor judgment. And so that's my experience going to the eye doctor, okay? The I don't do anything doctor. Okay, this has been the Popecast. My name is Ian Pope. Until next time, my friends.